Hello and welcome to another episode of A Need to Read. Thank you very much for joining me today. In this episode, it's going to be a little bit different. I want to have a little bit of a rant about journaling and I want to have a chat about gratitude. I want to have a chat about my writing project, my book, uh, probably for the last time on the podcast for quite a while. And also just a couple of other things like my new favourite novelist who I've found. I've had to put my life on hold this week because I got drawn into this novel and now I've bought another one by that author which has further prevented me getting on with my life. So that's what I'm going to be having a chat about today. Before I get into that, I just want to chat about the sponsors of the podcast and the people who make this possible. I like working with companies I believe in, and that is why I've chosen to work with BetterHelp on a continued basis. They provide an online therapy service to millions of people all over the world. Therapy is one of the most important things I've ever done in my whole entire life because Chatting about your problems with someone who has an objective view on things, who is a professional, who is trained to ask you the right kind of questions to help you to come conclusions about your own life, is one of the most beneficial things you can do for your mental health. There are plenty of studies backing up therapy, supporting like reduction in depression, anxiety. It obviously works. It's just whether or not you can afford it or can be bothered to go. BetterHelp make it super simple to get an appointment online. And you have that once a week. You get 10% off of your monthly cost of therapy with the code need to read. So you would just head to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read. And from there, you get 10% off your first month of online therapy. Now, as well as that, the podcast is sponsored by Heights. Heights are your all-in-one brain care supplement. It's not something I ever thought I'd need to supplement, and then I realised that my diet didn't fully nourish my brain. Much like a lot of people in the UK, I tend to cut things out of my diet just depending on what the latest Netflix documentary is. And I know I'm not alone in that, but we are sacrificing our brain health, and that is not okay. So supplementing for the new nourishment of your brain should be part of your brain care schedule, alongside things like meditating... Um, getting enough sleep which this helps with trying to minimize stress which this helps with there are plenty of reasons to be taking heights but i do not know all the science well enough to tell you so go and check it out on their website if you click the link in the description of this episode you can check out all of the research all of the information about the supplement and if it's something that you decide to invest in yourself and you can take 10 percent off of the subscription of that with the code need to read with the number two and not the word So those are the sponsors of this episode. And now, let's get into it. I did introduce the other day the A Need to Know section of this podcast. It's back. And today, I'm going to be talking about gratitude. Because we've been doing it wrong. I've been practicing gratitude on and off now for probably a couple years. Maybe two and a half. I would say definitely two and there are times where I feel like I uh, there is something fundamentally wrong with me. That's that's a thought maybe I have quite often. But particularly when it comes to gratitude, because I write it down, I write things that I'm grateful for, and I just don't feel it. I don't really feel the benefits of gratitude. And because everyone in the self-help industry, everyone on Instagram is telling you that this stuff's going to work, gratitude's going to change your life, I felt like there was something wrong with me. But there is new science to support that it is not the most beneficial gratitude practice that you can do. And I am pretty buzzing about this. I found it out on Andrew Huberman's podcast called The Huberman Lab, and he's essentially bringing great ideas from science to the people at no cost at all. I suggest checking it out after you've listened to my podcast. 
he talked about gratitude in the sense that we give gratitude to make us feel more grateful for life. But that's not necessarily how things work. If you want to rewire your brain and change your physiology so that you feel more fulfillment and a greater sense of well-being, then the best gratitude practice for you would be to receive gratitude. Humans and human minds attach to stories, right? So we need to think of a time when someone has expressed genuine gratitude for us. When was the last time that someone thanked you from the bottom of their heart for something that you have done and has been genuinely grateful? If you think back to that time, think back to that story of how you helped them and in which way, you will feel a greater sense of improvement on your well-being and sense of gratitude than should you just write down, I am grateful that I am alive today or I am grateful that I can walk today. Because it's just not enough. Writing something down is just not enough to get the juices flowing. So Andrew Huberman explains that perfectly in his podcast. Um, And it's definitely something I'd recommend looking into. I will be looking further into gratitude because I'm rejigging the way uh, that I journal and the way that I would suggest other people journal. I am by no means an expert in this and I can obviously just give you the anecdotal evidence from my life gratitude wasn't something that was great for me when I was discussing that with my therapist at the time she was like right let's make this a little bit more active and this uh, was supported in option b by Cheryl Sandberg is that you you don't need to write down what you're grateful for at the end of the day or at the start of the day what you want to be doing is writing down what went well because you're not in control of what you're grateful for really I mean you can pick and you can find beauty in anything if, if you try hard enough But what did you do to make your day go well? That's a really powerful question. Because you're either going to highlight the fact that maybe you didn't do anything to add to the direction of your day. Or you'll look back and you'll see that you did. And you'll feel a sense of pride about that. And that is the feeling that you need is to get a bit of your self-efficacy back. Which just means that your belief in your ability to do things, right? So... If you are trying to fit a square peg in a round hole with your gratitude, switch it up a little bit. If you can't think of a time when someone's expressed genuine thanks for you, then it's time probably to start doing some pretty big gestures. So even if you're just doing it for the sake of getting the story, um, do it because it'll be worth it. Do something nice for someone. Make sure that they feel grateful for the work that you put into something for them. It's time to do some good things, you know. I don't really feel like that's bad advice. Do more things that people will be grateful for. It's quite a nice feeling, isn't it, really? When someone genuinely thanks you for something and they're genuinely grateful and you've put yourself out to help someone else, that's always a nice feeling. Far better than being like, hey, guys, I'm so grateful for... um, I'm really just grateful that I've got a houseplant. You know, not everyone's got access to houseplants. I'm so privileged. It's not. It's not going to change your life. It's forced. In the podcast, he explains about the part of your brain you're trying to change here, or the part of the brain that gets in the way, is the pre-medial frontal cortex. I could have said that wrong. But just for the sake of it, I'm going to assume that I am right. That part of your brain adds context. Cortex, context. You can you can link the two together there um, to help you remember it. It adds context, so it knows when you're lying to yourself. 
we can't outsmart our brains. Lots of people on the internet seem to think that we can. And it's rather frustrating because none of it's actually backed by evidence that they spit out. It's all anecdotes. And they're like, yeah, you can just change your brain pathways, guys. Super easy. I mean, you can't trick your brain. Your brain knows more than you. Silly, silly people on the internet. Um, So that is what you need to know this week, is that your gratitude practice, should it not be serving you, might need a little bit of a revamp. It's worth thinking about and definitely worth trying. Think about the story of someone being grateful for you for maybe 60 seconds to five minutes. That's that's the time frame um, that he says. And you just have to think through the story, not in immense detail, but in enough detail to make you remember the emotions of the situation and stuff like that. And you can do that on the move. You don't even have to sit down and write. So that is what you need to know this week. Now, I'm going to talk about journaling for a very quick moment because we're just on the subject of gratitude and it kind of links in with people's normal journaling um, practices. The standard template, if you were to look on the internet or to look at the journals that people sell, um, it would be three things grateful for, one affirmation, maybe have you done something nice today and what is your reflection and I just, like, as much as people are like, oh, I don't want to spend too much time writing stuff down. It's like, what, you're too busy to sit down and write about yourself for 10 minutes or five minutes a day just to keep track of things so you can look back on it one day and it'll be quite nice to do, see how far you've come. I mean, you've definitely got time for that. Or you can find five or 10 minutes. It's 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 not that hard and it will pay pay off in the long run. So I personally don't write things that I'm grateful down in the morning unless I have had something happen that I am actually really glad happened I write how I'm feeling what I'm doing what I've done how I slept how was my morning I check in with myself properly I'm not just like right what are you grateful for how are you feeling about x situation or how you feel about this situation because then you get to assess stuff and I cannot tell you the amount of times I've started writing down that I'm feeling really frustrated by this situation and by the end of two paragraphs I'm no longer frustrated because I've worked it out just me a pen and a piece of paper lots of people are lacking like a soundboard to just chuck ideas at they're looking the friend that will be able to listen to them the partner that will be able to listen to them that's why having a journal is so important is you can't always guarantee to have people around you so having your journal as your soundboard will help you work out how you feel about certain situations. And there's nothing better than actually knowing how you feel, right? Because then you can make decisions based off that properly, as opposed to just being like, oh, I mean, I'm so annoyed. It's like, well, have you looked into being annoyed? Are you actually annoyed? Looking for five minutes, actually, no, I'm not that annoyed. You can really turn things around um, with that. Now, the fact that people do affirmations, I don't want to shit on everyone who does affirmations because I'm sure there are people listening that do affirmations but there'll be people out there much like those with gratitude who are like this just isn't working for me well there's actually a lot of evidence to say that affirmations don't work in 2009 there was a study done in America and they found that people with low self-esteem who are repeating affirmations actually ended up feeling worse they had worse anxiety and they had worse depression than before they were doing the positive affirmations because you just don't believe it and you cannot trick your brain. Remember how many times you repeat it. So if you have low self-esteem, repeating, I am healthy, I am wealthy, I am just so everything, I'm amazing. It's just not going to work for you. 
your self-esteem's just going to drop because your brain's going to be like, yeah, I don't believe that, you prick. I'm I'm not buying it. And also, it just there's, there's so many people out there who are affirming things that just aren't true, that I'm going to affirm it until it's true. There's also lots of evidence to suggest that people who talk so much about doing something or act as if they have already done something lose motivation for the thing. So... I mean, I am naturally quite sceptical of things like this anyway. And I don't know why it's taken me this long to actually look at the evidence to get back up my opinion. But it's uh, it's kind of worrying that so many people are doing these affirmations and they're not actually working. There'll be people struggling through them. And this brings me on to the law of attraction. I've got a hypothesis. Um, please let me know if I'm wrong here. I'd, I genuinely want you to like email me. Um, and tell me if you think the law of attraction has genuinely made a massive difference in your life. Because I don't really know many people who claim the law of attraction has changed their life, who aren't trying to sell a course for it. I know a few, but correlation does not always mean causation, everybody. The people I know who say the law of attraction have worked for them are incredibly hard workers, they may attribute it to the law of attraction, but these people hustle and also may have been in the right place at the right time. There's a lot that goes into it. I don't think that just affirming something makes it true. And I think that's kind of an idea that people should kind of get out of their head. It's like, I am successful. Instead of saying that you're successful, think in the ways that someone who actually is successful would be thinking. Do you think they would spend all their time in the morning saying, I am successful, I am successful. And I'm going to refer back to correlation, not causation again here. It's like, yeah, you can think of people like um, Jim Carrey or Matthew McConaughey or something like these famous people who are like, yeah, the law of attractions worked for me. I just knew everything was going to turn out right for me. They're a very small percentage of the famous people in the world. And it's anecdotal once again. It's It's just a worrying cultish sense that's breeding narcissism if you ask me which you don't have to of course um but i said it i don't like it i don't think it's actually doing everyone that much good and most people who believe in it are funnily enough selling a course on it um but of course i'm I'm open to be corrected if people can bring me solid evidence not anecdotal um, but of course emails are always open for feedback and stuff like that what else have I got for you journaling what else should we do think about the factors of your life and one that's quite cliche is people say about like health, wealth, love and happiness I actually assessed that the other day I was writing down like right how am I feeling health wise what do I need to do sport wise uh, how am I feeling like physically do I need to do more yoga do I need to do more jiu-jitsu do I need to lift more weights what's going on you have to make a little assessment and be like right oh this is where I'm lacking this is where I could potentially put more into and this is where I'm putting too much energy into if you're journaling you're working this out just put a little a5 page out each health wealth love and happiness because I think when it comes to like wealth not enough people are having like the actual conversation with them is like right what are my goals financially people don't like to talk about financial goals but it's quite a sensible thing to do uh, I avoided it for a long time um, and now I think maybe it will be me growing up I'm just like yeah I, I should probably think about this um, because 
think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, security is one of the key things at the bottom. And I think financial security is something we should focus on, even if that means just not spending so much money um, or looking at other ways to make some money. There's lots of things that you can do there. And it's an assessment that I'm doing with myself quite often um, at the moment. Because, I mean, I wouldn't mind being financially free. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, And if I get there, I promise you I won't sell you a course on it. I promise you. (laughs) And if I do, refer back to this episode and I'll come off of everything. Um, And I will go be... What will I do? Who knows? I could do anything that I want because I wouldn't be doing this, which would be a shame. So just make sure that I don't bring out a course on it. Um, So this week I said about a book, a book that I've absolutely loved. And it's by a woman called Jane Fallon. Apparently she's had 10 Sunday Times bestsellers. I had no idea who she was until I read Worst Idea Ever the other day. Uh, which is a story about a woman who, she, it's quite hard to explain. She makes a fake Twitter account to support her friend's Etsy business and to support her on Twitter and to become like a a pretend fan. So she's trolling her, but in a really nice way and being sound. Well, it all backfires and she finds out some stuff that she doesn't want to find out from her best friend who thinks she's communicating with this woman, Patricia, who is a fake Twitter account. It is full of drama. There is things to do with friendship, love, um, jealousy. There's just so much in there. It's packed, and she is such a beautiful writer. I absolutely love it. Her book, Worst Idea Ever, just completely stopped my week. I didn't know what to do with myself. had to finish it. I'm now reading another one called Faking Friends by her, which I think is going to be a similar vibe, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm a sucker for drama in a novel. I absolutely love it. It's like my version of watching the Kardashians. Which, I mean, if I have any influence over you at all, please don't do. Guys, your life is way more important than Kim Kardashian's. Uh, What else have I got for you? I also read Jocko Willink's new book, which is a novel, and I would say please don't read it. It is awful. Um, It's kind of written in prose, which, uh, not in prose, sorry, in a haiku, which is meant to be some like Japanese form of poetry, um, but it it's just it was not good. Um, I gave it two stars because I did read it because I was like oh, I want to read it because it's Jocko Willing. I'm interested to see what he's got to say. But yeah, I I didn't rate it. Um, so that's probably just speaks to the fact that it's a bit of a manly book, and I'm not into that. <laughs> I'm not I'm, I'm not keen on it. Someone asked me on Instagram if I could talk about moving um cities. I uh, I don't like London. I've said about this. But I'm glad that I'm here and I'm glad that I'm trying it. Because I think we get geographically locked to places in our lives when really that's not how it should be. I know it's a big risk to move to places. Um, and there'll be people who are thinking, oh, maybe I want to move to another country. Maybe I want to try it. One thing that my therapist said to me when I was going to originally plan to go to Australia... I was so worried about going and coming back because I I thought that would make me a failure and I think there are a lot of people holding themselves back because of that. It's like, oh, what, what if I don't like it? It's like, well, then you just say, oh, I didn't like it, so I came back. It's quite simple. But I didn't think of it and I'm sure there'll be other people who won't think of it. It's like, do you think your friends and family are going to be really pissed off if you come back from travelling? 
I know they probably missed you. They probably want you back. It's um, it's just interesting that we're so held back by what people think we're gonna say. What was that book? Courage is calling. When he's that, there was a comedian who said some people won't even kill themselves um, in fear of what the neighbours will say. We're so worried about what other people are saying, and we're forgetting to focus on our own lives. And I think that's a little bit um, shitty. My book. Let me talk about my book for the last time until I've written it, hopefully. Unless you ask me on like an Instagram question box, I'll happily give you an update. But I'm very wary of the fact that if I talk about it too much, I might lose motivation for it and I might just completely stop writing and just be obsessed with the idea of completing it when I haven't completed it. Because the first things first is to complete the book. Um, I had 38 no, 45,000 words written, which is about 160 pages um, up until September. And I wrote that from about May. Now I'm rewriting the whole thing because in the three months that I've had off, something has switched within me and the way that I write has improved drastically. The way that I think um, about writing, has it's just completely changed. And I don't know what it was that flipped for it, for me um, I've had someone edit the book and to give me some guidance on where it was shit and there was just a lot of places where it was shit so I think even though I've got the skeleton of quite a good and compelling story I need to add more to it because simply what I'd written wasn't good enough so as opposed to just completely jacking it in and starting a new book or finding a new story is I do genuinely believe I've got a good story I just need to add a lot more to it to keep people reading. I'm also very like proud of how far I've come as a writer from when I've started. So if, And this is just a note out there to people because lots of people get stuck thinking, oh, what right do I have to do this? Or what right do I have to try this? I've got no professional writing training. I haven't done an English lesson since I was 16 years old, which is 11 years ago. There are so many things that are like, do not write, don't don't write a book. You haven't had the right proper training. You didn't go and do creative writing at university. It's like, no, but what I can do and what I can do quite well as someone is I can just do stuff. And everyone listening to this has this ability as well. So no matter what it is you want to do, you have the ability to just do it. Even if you're fucking god awful and you think people are going to laugh at you, they probably won't. But if you are god-awful, you have a starting point that is quite low, which means you have a lot of scope for improvement. And this is how I see writing. is my first book, I'm going to be pretty proud of it, but by the time I've done five, I'll probably think it was dreadful. This is how things work. is you put time into it, you get better. I know that, that sounds awfully simple, and God, probably a little bit condescending, but it's it's just blown my mind how much I've improved and it's literally just because I just did it every day and I've always spoken about how simple it is to just do stuff but it's nice to actually see that it's it's worked I've read maybe four books on on writing and none of them have anything to do with like your actual narrative voice and and that's what improved the most um to quote Liv Reads on Instagram she's got a nice bookstagram um she said you're a fucking brilliant writer end quote um which of course i did let get to my head for all of like three minutes and then i realized that i'm not 
but one day, one day I will be. And I feel like that's the kind of mindset that's nice to have with stuff like this. It's like, right now I am not great. I'm doing my best and it's okay. But if I keep working, I'll I'll be better. And I think there's a lot of uh, stuff on the internet. Be like, really be happy where you are. I'm so happy where I am. But it's just comforting to know that if you just do something every day, you will get better at it. Um, I've repeated that a lot over this podcast, um, which is kind of concerning. I'm going to stop. One thing I just want to touch on in terms of productivity for people as well, people who are listening. Here's a question that I ask myself, and this goes back to the journaling, is if I was my manager, what would I want myself to do? Because I haven't got a manager. I am actually my manager. So I have to try and think like one, which is difficult because it's not my natural way of thinking. But if you knew your goals and you were your manager, what would you be urging yourself to do, say, over the next week? Like, if you knew what you wanted to do in a year's time and you were your manager guiding you, I hope you're still with me, what would they want you to do? That is worth thinking about, I would say. Write that down. In the morning, <laughs> every morning, if I was my manager, what would I do? I oh, and also in my journal and have a daily highlight, uh, which is from Make Time by Jake Knapp and John Zaretsky, which is uh, just one thing that I'll do that day that I absolutely must do. It's, it works quite well. It, it gives you a little bit of focus, um, especially if you're like me and you've got lots of things to focus on. So... That is it. Shall I tell you what's coming up? All right, then. There's an episode with Tony from Shelf Help, which is a book club. That's coming out on Thursday. And then next week, I'll be back with book review episodes, uh, Prisoners of Geography. And then I've got quite a few interesting books I'm eyeing up for my next read. Um, But I'll let people know uh, what they are on Instagram so you can maybe read along. I'll tell you what, I'll give you the options now. One's called The Sweet Spot. by a guy called Paul Bloom, and it's about suffering, pleasure, and the key to a good life. Uh, There's another one on the afterlife, which is by a neuroscientist, so I usually wouldn't bother to read anything about the afterlife, because obviously most of it's made up, but if he's a neuroscientist, he's kind of got an idea what he's talking about, and it'll be an interesting perspective on it. It's kind of written like Sam Harris is lying. It's a very short book, like 100 pages, written more as kind of like an essay. So that's what's coming up on the podcast. You guys are absolute legends. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. I will be more consistent with this. I am getting rather frustrated with myself for not meeting the upload deadlines, and I'm sure that none of you care, and are of course very accommodating with your forgiveness, but it's it's something I need to do, so I'm going to tell you I'm doing it now, and if I don't, please email me and say, hey, Ed, um, you aren't sticking to your promises. Why not? And then I might give you a good enough reason, but make sure you email me. We're in this together. Um, that's it. That's it from me. There is information for the sponsors in the description of this episode. There is information the books discussed in the description of this episode and you can always share this with a friend you know if you want to don't have to but you could should you feel so inclined tell everyone you know about the podcast so that it helps me um 
just in general life. It, I mean, if the podcast was going better, my life probably would be a bit better, wouldn't it? It's kind of how things work. Um, so if you like me and you want me to do all right, pass it on to a friend. I love you, bye.